somebody has a birthday and there's friends or family around, they get a cake and they light the candles and they sing happy birthday to Jesus. So I want to remind you today, being Jesus' birthday, we're, gonna, we're not going to sing happy birthday to Jesus, but it is a reminder. Also a reminder that last night on Christmas Eve, we were able to light not only the four candles of Advent to celebrate the coming of Jesus, but also the middle candle representing Christ himself, just to remind us that light of the world is Jesus. The light illuminates the darkness, and the darkness cannot extinguish the light that has come into the world. And so that Christ candle in the middle, light has come. We have Christ here with us. We have Emmanuel. Now, names are important. Names can make a person feel significant. My son-in-law, Craig, he's a pastor down in Corona. My son-in-law, I always feel good when he calls me this because he always calls me Jimbo. He doesn't call me dad because he already has a dad, but he calls me Jimbo. My mother-in-law, Lisa's mom, for years now, she called me Jimmy. And I was always an adult when we met, but she still thinks of me as Jimmy. When I'm in Chile and I have some friends down there, they like to call me Jaimito. Jaimito, which is sort of a, when you use an ito in Chile, it's like a term of endearment. It's like Jaime with an ito on it. So those are names that are kind of important to me. Well, guess what? Do you guys realize that besides the name Jesus or besides the name Christ or Messiah or even Lord, Jesus has many other names that are given to us that are in God's Word, the Bible. And I want to focus on just a few of them today. We're going to focus on a prophecy that was given to a prophet of God 700 years before Jesus was born. And if it is a true prophet of God, then God gives himself the, the revelation to the prophet. And he says, thus says the Lord. In other words, the prophet is speaking and there are human words coming out of his mouth, but the revelation, the source of those words come from God himself. And so we're in Isaiah chapter 9. Before I get to the names, I just want to give you the context. This is 700 and a number of years before Christ has come. Israel is in grave danger. Israel is divided into two kingdoms. There's a kingdom to the north called Israel. There's a kingdom to the south called Judah. And during this time period, it's a divided kingdom. And the big dog in the world, just like when Jesus was born, the powerhouse empire nation of the world was the Roman Empire. 700 years before Christ, the big empire dominating the entire Middle East was the Assyrian Empire. And there was danger, great danger. The nation of Israel, the nation of Judah all thought, wow, if, if Assyria ever turns against us, we are toast. We're going to be defeated and annihilated. And so Isaiah gives a word of hope to the people that are living in this area. And during this word of hope that he's giving to the people of Israel, he's also going to announce Messiah's coming and some of the names of Messiah that he will have. So it says here in Isaiah chapter 9, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, it says, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulon and Naphtali, that's another, that's a region in northern Israel. It's a region that we know in the New Testament as Galilee. Galilee, and that's where Jesus did most of his ministry. 
So this region of Zebulon and Naphtali will soon be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, Galilee of the Gentiles, this place will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light, a light that will shine on all who live in the land where death casts its shadow. So the people walking in darkness in this land of northern Israel, in the land of Galilee of the Gentiles, Zebulon and Naphtali, they are no longer going to be walking in darkness because they are going to see a great light. And when God sends his Messiah, we, run, we jump down to verse 6, and Messiah is going to arrive in the form of a baby. Because Isaiah says this, For unto us a child is born. Can you put up the next slide, please? And you can at least see the words uh, of the description of some of the names of Jesus. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And these will be his royal titles. I like the way it words that. You know, not just a name. These are his royal titles of this son to be born, of a child that will be born unto us. Isaiah talking to his fellow Israelites. In other words, the Messiah is going to be Jewish. He's going to be born into a Jewish family. He's going to be born into the line of David. And of course, we know the town he's going to be born in is Bethlehem. We learned that uh, during our time together leading up to the Advent season. But, but the place where Jesus was going to do his ministry was not going to be Bethlehem. It was going to be up in the Galilee of the Gentiles. And so Isaiah's focusing on that now. And he said, and these will be his royal titles, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. And of his government, there will be no end. In other words, when Jesus comes, when the Messiah comes, and he has all these royal titles, he is going to rule and reign, and his kingdom is never going to come to an end. It, he will reign forever and ever. You remember that from the Handel's Messiah? And he shall reign forever and ever. Wow. You guys want to try that in the choir sometime? That's a song. That's a song right there. Not easy to sing, right? So just want to focus on these four names of Jesus foretold by Messiah because each of these names have rich meaning. Meaning, by the way, I was talking to a, a, a fellow Christian and he was saying that he was in a conversation with a man who was Muslim. And the man who was Muslim, of course, I don't know if you know much about Islam, but they have a great deal of respect for Jesus. They call him Isa al-Masih, which is Arabic term meaning Jesus the Messiah. But, but, of course, they have a very different definition of what Messiah is in, in the Islamic tradition. So um, what the man was trying to do was to show this Muslim man that Jesus was more than just a prophet. He was more than just a human being. And he said, I need to tell you, sir, that, that the prophet Isaiah, who they believe, they believe in all the prophets. And the prophet Isaiah predicted in his writings that the Messiah to be born would be more than just a man. Can I prove it to you? And he says, show me. And he says, I, I bring you to Isaiah chapter 9. He read the verses and he said, unto us a child is born, a son is given. So he is going to be a human being. He's going to be born a baby just like us all. 
but his royal titles will be Wonderful Counselor. Now, that could be a human being. But how about the second one? Mighty God? How can a human being be Mighty God if he's just a man? How can a human being be Everlasting Father? Talking about the divine origins of Jesus. Talking about Jesus being existing from all eternity as the second person of the Trinity. Of course, he did not bring up Trinity to a Muslim. That's not a good word to use. But uh, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. No human being could fulfill all these terms. In fact, if a human being claimed to be mighty God, you'd say he was a kook. If a human being claimed to be the everlasting father of us all, you would say he belongs in an institution. He belongs in a sanatorium. He belongs in a care facility where he needs to be kept away from endangering other people, perhaps. So Jesus is the only person who is both God and man. And through the incarnation, he's the only person that ever fulfilled this prophecy. Wonderful counselor. Let's unpack that a little bit. Wonderful counselor, when we need direction in our lives, when you don't know which way to go, when you don't know how to act towards someone, when you don't know what the future holds, and you go to the Lord Jesus, he says, you know, it says in Proverbs that um, a brother is born for adversity. But there is one who sticks even closer than a brother. Jesus being our wonderful counselor, he's the one who can advise us. He, he gives us counsel through his word. He gives us counsel through his Holy Spirit. We come to him in prayer and we find direction that we need. We find comfort that we need. We find a friend. You know, just like that one song says, what a friend we have in Jesus. The second term that is used is everlasting father. In other words, that God is the founder of everything. That Jesus and the father, they want to be in a relationship with us so close that it's familial, that he becomes our father, that he becomes someone who advises us, that we have an inheritance from this father. We have protection from our heavenly father. We have care and provision from our Heavenly Father. He provides for us. So He is our everlasting Father. And as His children, that gives us great significance. What's in a name? And somebody says, well, who are you? Who do you think you are? You know, somebody starts, you know, saying, well, I'm nobody. And in a human sense, I am nobody. I'm just a hum human being like everybody else. But in a spiritual sense, I'm a, I'm a child of God. I'm a member of God's royal family. You know, it says you are a chosen race, a royal lineage, a people belonging unto God. We have an amazing inheritance coming, but we have an amazing identity that is here with us now as children of our everlasting Father. We had, you know, mighty God providing strength and protection I like that idea. I wrote this down in my notes. It says, God has your back. God has your back. We're not to, to try to protect ourselves. We're, to ba we're basically to have this idea in our, in, our, in our attitude and in our prayer that, God, you are with me. God, you go before me. As Patrick of Ireland just, just said, God before me, God behind me, God beside me, God above me. And when that, when that missionary went into Ireland you know, quote, quote, with all the snakes. It's funny, one of the legends of Ireland is there, there were thousands of snakes when, when Patrick arrived in Ireland, and now they're none. 
I don't know if that's true or not, but the, but the point, the point of, of Patrick going into Ireland was he had the right posture. When, when there were no Christians on that island, and through his ministry and through his lifetime, through his own sacrifice of preaching the gospel, almost the entire island of Ireland was won to the Christian faith because of his influence. And, I, and, I, and uh, Patrick always had this attitude when he prayed. He says, when I go out to face the people, when I face you know, the pagan priests, when I face the kings and the chieftains of Ireland, and they're, all, and they're against me, and they don't, they don't like my message, they want to destroy me, I have to remember that I'm not going out on my own. I have God going before me. I have God beside me. I have Christ with me. Emmanuel, God is with us. Patrick had that idea, and that's one reason why God led him to reach the whole island of Ireland for Christ. And then the, the fourth title, this title of Prince of Peace. You know, where are we going to find peace in this world? Jesus basically said, in this world, you're going to find tribulation. In this world, you will have trouble. But he says, be of good courage, because I have overcome the world. We don't find peace in the world. I was just driving over here. I, I, I looked over. I was on Main Street. You know, how many times do you ever get a green light? <laughs> I mean, west on Highway 12. So I get another red light, and I look over, and there's a building, and the building just says peace, and there's a wall of peace. I think it's in the downtown plaza area. I was walking down there the other day, and I'm looking, and there's this big rock, and it's got a split down the middle, and and uh, I see that, and then I see this other sign, and I think, it, it, you know, in most towns, of course, you guys know Sebastopol is unique from a lot of most towns. In a lot of towns you go into, they'll have some kind of a wall. They'll have a veterans memorial. They'll have a, 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 a shrine or some kind of a, a monument to the troops who fought for our country to protect our interests. They have a wall of peace over there. So I know, you know, peace is a big deal to people in Sebastopol. Peace is a, is a great concept. It, peace is something we all want. But Jesus says, because of man, because of our sin, because of our selfish nature, we want what we want when we want it, and often that collides with everybody else who wants what they want when they want it. And when somebody gets into enough power and enough control, they start leading a whole group of people to say, we want what you have, and we're going to take it by force. And all of a sudden, there's nothing but war. There's nothing but strife in this world, and people long for peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. The peace that we really want starts inside. It's not something that's just out there. It's something that starts in here. So Jesus is our Prince of Peace. I'm going to come back to those four names before I finish. So I want to move on to the angels because... I thought about uh, all the people that we've studied during this Christmas season. We talked about the incarnation of Christ that first Sunday of Lent. We talked about Mary and what a great servant she was and how she's, she submitted to God's announcement to her that she would be birthing Messiah. Then we have the Magi who came a long way. You know, Jesus, we came a long way just to see you and offered him their worship and their gifts. And then... Of course, we have the shepherds in the fourth Sunday of Advent, totally unexpected, outcasts, outsiders of society, marginalized, undocumented day workers, for lack of a better term, and they were the ones to whom God sent the angel first with the announcement, the Savior's been born, 
Do you want to see him for yourself? He's right over here in Bethlehem. Go check it out. And so uh, they went and checked it out, and then they sang that first song, Go Tell It on the Mountain, right? That Jesus Christ is born. Because wherever they went, when they saw Jesus, they said, this good news, you can't just keep it to yourself. You've got to share this with somebody. And that's what the shepherds did. But now the, the, the last group that I wanted to focus on just for a moment are the angels. The angels show up that night in Bethlehem after the, the one single angel announces to the shepherds, today in the town of David in Bethlehem, a Savior's been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. You want to go check him out for yourself? He's lying in a manger in Bethlehem. And then the, all the angels show up and they start offering God their praise. And I want to say to you when, you, when you think of that question, what could the angels possibly give to God? You know, you ever, you know, here we are on Christmas Day. There has to be somebody in your life where you say, I just don't know what present to give that person, right? You either say, what do you give to somebody who has everything or what do you give to somebody who likes to return everything? <laughs> you know, you know you see the re-gift down the road to somebody else. You know, you try not to get offended. You, you've got these, you, you, you just can't seem to pick out the right gift. So what do you do? You end up punting and you give them a gift card to Amazon or something. You say, yeah, go get something that you like, right? Well, what can you give to Jesus? He already had everything. I mean, the, the wise men, the magi gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The angels had something to offer Jesus which, by the way, is the same gift that you and I can offer to Jesus. What gift could the angels bring to Jesus? They brought to him their worship. Of course, you know what they said. The, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, who were filling the sky, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to all whom God's favor rests. So they offered him their worship. I don't know how you're going to give a gift to Jesus other than we can, give to, we can give to Jesus the same gift that the angels gave to him. It's interesting. They didn't give him a gold bassinet. They didn't give Jesus fine linen sheets and bedding. They didn't say, oh, look at you in those poor rags wrapped up in that feeding trough. Come on, Jesus, we can give you more than that. They probably wanted to give Jesus these, bed, these nice gifts, linen sheets and beddings and a solid gold bassinet, a better place for Jesus to stay now that he has come to earth. But instead, they just filled Bethlehem with that night sky in their worship. And even at this moment, heaven itself, heaven reverberates with the loud and sincere and corporate worship and praise to God. Because what we've already done this morning is we've joined in the activity that the angels began and inaugurated for us saying, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. So they gave him their gift of worship. What do you think God wants each one of us to give to him this Christmas? The clue is found in Hebrews 13, 15. It says, with Jesus' help, let us continually offer our sacrifice of praise to God by proclaiming the glory of his name. So we sing our praise to God here in corporate worship in church. And we go out from here acting like the shepherds where wherever they went, they spread the good news about Christ to whomever they were with. So this worship is good for us. We were made to worship. We were all going to worship something. In fact, everyone on this planet 
worships something. If you want to know what you worship, I guess the, the easiest test is if you tried to think of the thing in your life that if you lost this thing, that you almost wouldn't want to go on living. Like, like life would lose its zeal, life would lose its zest, there wouldn't be any reason to go on living if I didn't have this anymore in my life. If the, if the object of what you just were thinking of is not God himself, then you and I might be worshiping something other than God. God says to worship him. We're made to worship God. God inhabits the praises of his people. God is pleased with our worship. We're to worship God in spirit and in truth. So when it comes to our worship, the one that we look up to the most, the one that we are giving the most attention, the most honor, the most respect, the more of you have done so much for me, God, now what can I do for you? That's where God wants us right now on this Christmas morning. Is he saying, really? You love me because I loved you first, because I showed you what true love is, that he proved his own love toward us. He came to earth. He gave his life for us. And he says, now, now that you are in me, now that you are in my family, now that you are going to heaven, I'm leaving you on this earth. And I'm leaving you on this earth so that you can make a difference with your life. As I inhabit you, as Jesus is empowering each one of us to live a kind of life that makes a difference, that, quote, shines our light, as Jesus said, Therefore, shine your light before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. So we are to live this, at, this posture, this attitude of worship. We're to join in to do what the angels did. They gave Jesus a gift of worship. They also, we are to give Jesus the gift of making a difference for him in this world. And so today, you know, today's Christmas Day and you're going to be around family members and friends. And maybe there's this Uncle Charlie, or maybe there's this Cousin Zeb, or what, whoever they are. And there's just some person that is, is your EGR person. Have you ever heard Rick Warren from Saddleback Church describe an EGR? An EGR person means it's a person extra grace required, okay? <laughs> when, you're on, when you're around them, yeah, yeah. Somebody in the back just raised their hand. I think I might be an EGR, yeah. It, the, the, they always say the test of your family. If you look around at your family and you say, boy, I just can't seem to identify who the EGR person is, chances are it might be you. <laughs> so we're going to be around family and friends today. We're going to be around people that it might be a, a little, it'll take a little extra work, a little extra effort to love, a little extra effort to listen to. A little extra effort to hear a comment and not just go whammo, you know, like now you just lit the fuse and now it's on. Now we're going to talk about stuff and now we're going to get an argument. Now there's going to be drama in, in the family setting. You know, rather than do that, pour out a little extra love, pour out a little extra grave, grace on your family and friends, right? That's one gift we can give to Jesus. The other gift to Jesus I want you to know that I, I got this idea from a song. I, you guys know that I used to work for a couple of years for K-Love Christian Radio. I still listen to it now from time to time. It's powerful in Northern California. I think K-Love Radio got its origin in this area of the Santa Rosa area. So 91.9 FM, 
I was listening to this song. There's a new Christmas album out by Matthew West. It's wonderful. And one of the songs, it's called Give This Christmas Away. I don't know if any of you guys have heard it. But it's the song lyrics say, Give this Christmas away. If there is love in your heart, don't let it stay there. It says, And your life will be changed by the gift you receive when you give this Christmas away. My mom has this great mask. She's, she has this uh, little uh, cross stitch on her bathroom wall. And I always see it when occasionally I visit the bathroom. And so I'm in there and, and, it, and her math says this. It says, love adds and multiplies as we divide it with others. It's another way of saying Jesus, it's fulfilling Jesus' words. Love adds and multiplies. When you give away your love, it adds and multiplies. It expands. It's not like a zero-sum game where I have, I have 10 tokens of love to give today, and when I give that, it's all used up. No, God keeps replenishing that love. The more that we give, the more God gives back to us. And you cannot, give, you cannot outgive God. He's got a bigger wallet. God is the original giver. The original gift is Jesus at Christmas. And he says, now that you've received this gift, pass it on to others. Pass it on to others. Give this Christmas away. If there's love in your heart, don't let it stay there. And so for the rest of the year, I think Jesus is saying, the way you can give back to me is you can help those who are less fortunate. Help those who may need food and clothing and shelter. But also help those people who need a kind word. Some people just need a kind word. Some people don't have anybody who listens to them. Do you know how gift the, the valuable a gift that your time is? When you just stop and say, I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to resist the temptation just to say, well, hey, look at the time I gotta go. When they're trying to talk to you, when they're trying to share with you, when they're trying to unload their burden on you, sometimes it's extra grace required. Yes, sometimes it's extra patience required. But it is a, it is a great gift to our God to be able to give that gift of time and to be listening, listening to somebody, to give them a kind word, to give them your listening ear, to give them a warm hug, to let them know that they're not alone in this world, to let them know that God loves them because you love them, because God is empowering you with his love put into your heart to pass along to them. So there is a gift that we can give to other people. Let me just return before I close to those four names of Jesus where it says, and you shall call him, or these shall be Jesus' royal titles, wonderful counselor. When you're thinking about that, sometimes you, you, you focus your thoughts on one Bible verse, on one scripture. And so just think in your mind about this when you're thinking about these four names of Jesus and what these names mean to you where you are right now. If I say these names, Jesus, I want you to be my wonderful counselor today. Lord, I need your wisdom. I need your direction. I need your comfort. I need your guidance. So Lord Jesus, be my wonderful counselor today. And Lord, I need you to be my everlasting father. I need to remind I need you to remind me of who I am, that I am your child, that I'm in your family, that forever I belong to you, and that makes me significant. So, Lord, today, be my everlasting Father. 
Lord, I need today, I need you to be mighty God. I need, to give, I need you to give me your strength. Lord, you're all powerful. I need the strength to overcome my weaknesses. Lord, I need strength to extend grace to other people. Lord, I need your strength to persevere in areas where I may just want to throw in the towel and give up. So, Lord, I need you to be mighty God in my life today. And then, Lord, in this day of Christmas and for the rest of this year and in the year to come, I, I ask you to be my Prince of Peace. Lord, I ask you to put your peace down deep into my heart where it says, let the peace of Christ dwell in your heart. Lord, I need your peace so that I can be a peacemaker. Lord, help make me a unifier. Help me to be an encourager of others, not a discourager of others. I need your peace to do that. Help me to bring your peace and stability to those people who are around me, in my family and in my workplace and in my school and all around me, God. I want to be a peacemaker. I want to let the peace of Christ rule in my heart. So, Lord, would you be my Prince of Peace? Would you be all those things for me today and for each one of us, Lord? We give this day to you. We celebrate your birth. We see all these names and know that you're so much more than just a baby in a manger. Lord, you have, you've gone to fill the universe with your presence and you're filling our hearts with your love. And God, help us to pass along that gift that you have given to us. Help us to make this world a better place because you are in our lives and we are in this world. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Well, we're going to transition now and we're going to celebrate communion. And you see these trays up here. The Bible tells us 